Welcome to the Western New York Entrepreneur Podcast, helping Western New York entrepreneurs take the next step in their business. If you love Western New York and entrepreneurship, this is the podcast for you. Whether you have been in business for 20 years or 20 minutes, there is something for everyone. David Schaub interviews the top entrepreneurs in Western New York so you can take your next step in your own business. Hey, welcome to today's podcast. Welcome to Western York Entrepreneur, where we help entrepreneurs take the next step in their business. And we have a great podcast today. We have David Mack from Alpine Sight and Films. Uh, say hi, Dave. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> We're doing great. And so for the listeners who don't know who you are, because or for the listeners that don't know or don't know me that well, um, I've been working with Dave now for, I want to say, the first time I met him was five years ago? Yeah, it was about four or five years ago. Four or five years ago? Uh, he actually uh, helped me launch my first fantasy football website, and we did that for a couple of years. Then my twin brother had four kids, and that was the end of that. But um, yeah, he's helped me out with a, quite a few projects. So I've always, you know, admired Dave. I've always appreciated his insight, his help. Uh, he goes way above and beyond of what I've ever asked him. So I just really appreciate him. So for those who don't know you, Dave, what should they know about you? Uh, they should know that uh, I'm a family man. I, uh, I I do all this for my family, my wife, my kids. I love the flexibility of being self-employed. It's just, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you can go on vacations anytime you want. Uh, you can take your work with you. You can leave your work at home. Uh, you're not scheduled by one time clock. You can work late at night. You can work in the middle of the day. It's just kind of great being on your own. And, uh, you know, I, I, I strongly recommend anybody who wants to do it to, to, to take that step. To take the leap. Yeah. So how long has Alpine Sight Designs and Films uh, been, been a thing? Well, uh, Alpine was started in 2012 in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, I lived out there for about 10 years. I brought it here in 2013, seeing the resurgence and the growth of Buffalo. Uh, when I left in 2003, uh, Buffalo was a little downtrodden, and it was uh, just barely starting to, to pick back up again and re regain some more of its some of its former glory. So uh, I came back for a visit the previous summer, and I saw how great Buffalo was uh, was becoming. And this was about 2012, and it was it, so I figured that uh, you know maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to reconsider coming back to Buffalo. Yeah, Dave, so it's definitely great to have you back, and I'm glad we definitely crossed paths, and I'm sure those who listen are, are glad they did too as well, at least in this podcast anyway. So what what do you mostly focus on in your business? Because I know it's obviously site design, but also it's film. So what is the biggest thing that you guys like to focus on? Well, the, the company started off as a web development company, and uh, it stemmed from a previous business that I had called Autobahn German Parts, which was a BMW online, car, online auto parts dealer. So uh, we built a website for that. Uh, we search engine optimized, and we're actually ranking number two in the country for some of our most major keywords, bringing in about 60 to 80,000 visitors a month. Uh, I ended up selling that business, decided to focus entirely on web design. I'm not actually trained as a web designer. I kind of learned it on the job almost. Uh, became very good at it. Uh, my background is mostly marketing and sales. So uh, it kind of stemmed into mostly web uh, e-commerce, and that was our biggest focus until about three or four years ago when we branched out with a lot of social media marketing, picked the search engine optimization back up, and, uh, and recently started a film division. So tell me more about the film division. Uh, film division's been around for about a year now. Uh, we've done uh, some pretty uh, incredible tentpole pieces with some very talented local directors, uh, one that's actually on our staff. Uh, we've, uh, we shot one with an Academy Award-winning actor, uh, Vincent uh, Pastor from The Sopranos. Uh, he was a, a great guy, fun to work with, and we put out some pretty cool stuff. 
Oh, wow, that is cool. So so I know you said that you sold your other business. So when did you actually start Alpine? Was, was it 2000 or you moved to 2012? 2012, I, yeah, 2012, okay. I started Alpine. The other business started in 08 or 09. I'm not quite sure of the time frame there. And I ran it for about three or four years before I turned around and sold it. Yeah, so what made you like take the leap? Because I know it's something you're learning, you were, you know, you became really good at. But like, what made you like, you know what, this is what I want to do. Like, what really started that? It was simple. It was, uh, it, it wasn't a choice almost. I was uh, laid off. Um, my previous position before that, I was in the car business, running car dealerships, running marketing for them, running, running dealerships themselves. And uh, I was in charge of a Land Rover dealership in Los Angeles, and they laid me off. Uh, for no apparent reason. I had the best numbers in all the stores. The store was thriving. Uh, and, and I was left with an actual severance package, which was kind of surprising. Had a little bit of money in the bank. And I said, you know what? I don't want to work for anybody anymore. You know, I want to work for myself. It, uh, you know, I was so sick of working for people that I felt that I knew better than them. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to become my own boss. I'm going to make the decisions from now on. Oh, wow. And that was like seven years ago. That was longer than that. That was, uh, I left Land Rover in 2008, I think. Yeah, okay. 2008. Okay, then you then you did the other business, then you sold Exactly, that. yeah. That, I did Autobahn, and then I sold Autobahn. And, That's cool. Yeah. So that first taste was like, okay, I'm in. Yeah, exactly. Right. Cool. So like, as an entrepreneur, what is, like, what is your favorite story of being like, of just like, it could be from this business, it could be from the, the business prior, but like, when was like, you know, I guess I'll just start there. What was like your favorite story from the whole, from the, from the last, you know, since 2008 when you started that first one? Since I started the business, it become more interesting in recent years as the business has been involved, evolving and we're starting to work with some more people. Um, the, uh, I touched a little bit on before, but working with Vincent Pastor from The Sopranos. Uh, we went out partying the night before. We took him and uh, Paul Borghese, who was another character. Uh, actor from New York. He was in things like Law and Order. and uh, He was actually on The Sopranos as well. But uh, we took them to the Buffalo Club the night before and sit down and had a five-course meal. Chef came out. Uh, it was just a great time. And uh, Vincent's getting pretty old. He's uh, probably 77, 78, I'm thinking. Uh, he's had some heart problems. He, he just got out of triple bypass surgery. He, you know, he, he, he didn't really want to stay out, but he was having fun. Mm-hmm. He said he, wasn't, he couldn't drink and he couldn't smoke because his doctor told him not to. Well, he didn't smoke. We went in the cigar room. Paul and I had a cigar. Vincent said, I'm not drinking. I'm getting tired. We should go home. And he uh, and said, okay, we'll take you back now. He's like, I don't want to go back. It's like, oh, no? He's like, no, I want to play some pool. He's like, and I want a drink. Get me a drink. So I went and got him a drink and we started playing pool. Uh, <laughs> three games we played. He kept trying to beat me. He couldn't beat me. He just kept losing every single time. So the next day we're shooting, we're on the set, and uh, him and Paul are bantering back and forth, and they're sitting at the table and stuff, and he sees me out of the corner of his eye, and the camera's rolling and everything, and he's like, he's like, hey, Paul, you see that producer over there? Paul's like, yeah. He said, that producer over there, I think he's a shark. He hustled me three games last night. Next time he comes to New York, I'm going to whack him. <laughs> it, was oh, just, wow. uh, it was just kind of funny. He's joking around, messing with me, pulling my chain, but he you know, it was a lot of fun to work with. He was a, he's quite the character. That is a, that's a really cool story. I wasn't expecting that, I'll be honest with you. That, that's so cool. And as an entrepreneur, we obviously we make some mistakes along the way. So if you don't mind me asking, what was one of the, the, the one or two mistakes that you're like, you know what? You know, I, I wish I stayed away from those. You know, as an entrepreneur, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And there's going to be a lot of learning experiences for that. And, you know, as long as you keep getting back up and, you know, and, and, and try to learn from what you did, you'll do better. But 
I think my biggest was uh, trying to expand too quickly. Um, after enjoying about six, seven years of, uh, of really great growth, really, really consistent growth, 25% uh, a year, 33% in, in some years, uh, we took a big leap and, and grew really quick. As we did, we, we made a mistake, brought on some staff a little too quickly, um, and it just didn't quite work out very well. And, you know, I hate ever letting people go. But uh, you know, we just weren't structured for it. We weren't ready for it. It was kind of a it was kind of a big move, a little too quick. Uh, you know, and you got to think things out a little bit. You know, you definitely want to be aggressive, and you definitely want to grow. But don't be don't make sure you plan everything out really well, and, and focus on on what you want before taking that leap. That's good. What advice would you give for entrepreneurs who are, I would say, not just getting started, but they're starting to see some real growth in their business? So so I, I know you just gave some advice on that, but anything else you want to add to that to any entrepreneur that's listening and they're finally getting their foot off the ground, they're thinking about taking that next step, or if they are in the middle of it, what advice would you give them in a general sense? Let it happen naturally. If, it, if it's growing naturally, let it kind of take off. Keep fueling it. Don't ever stop fueling it. But you're going to have to work even harder because you're going to have to come up with a plan on how to maintain it. Maintenance is the hardest part. Building and growing is a little bit easier than that. But it's, it, it, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to, uh, to, to, to hold everything together and to keep all the parts moving, especially as more parts start moving at once. Mm, that's good. So instead of me always you know, asking all the questions, I kind of want to ask you to, to create a question. And what I mean by that is, what is one question you wish clients or people wouldn't ask you pertaining to your field. I'll give you an example. I'm six, seven. People always ask, do you play basketball? <laughs> and, and it's just like, oh my gosh, like I, I always want to get a shirt that says I'm six, six. I don't play basketball. I don't care about your tall friend. Because <laughs> like he always have a tall. So just to make a joke there, but what is a, a question that you get often? You're like, mm, it's not that it, it not annoys you, but you wish it was asked better. Well, um, I can't really say for sure, but we do get something that happens a lot. And we see, we see other business owners taking advice from people that are not within the field. And it's, it, I, I think it's a question that business owners ask, but they don't ask to us and the professionals. We hear so many times that, um, well, we, we need some input on the, on, the, on the UX design of our website. Uh, we're going to have our secretary take a look at it and, and, and see what they can do. Secretary doesn't know anything about web design. You know, it's kind of difficult whenever you see the client asking those questions to people that I understand that they trust, but don't necessarily know exactly what they're doing. So we almost wish that the clients would ask us the question, who should we ask? How should we go about this testing? You know, I mean, I completely understand you want to do some audience testing on different products. We do it all the time, you know, but let's go about it the right way. I'd like to see clients become a little bit more educated on understanding the way to, to really engage their audience and to, and to really come up with the, their accurate own test that's, data. That's good because, you know, we ask the secretary, we trust her, but we shouldn't trust her with other, you know, like, for example, website design. Right, exactly. I mean, would you, would you ask your, your lawyer, lawyer medical advice? Yeah. You know, you want to kind of stay in the, in the field a little bit, you know? You, you want, yeah, you might ask a nurse that's a friend for medical advice, but you wouldn't ask your attorney, you wouldn't ask your landscaper, you know, I mean... Yeah, stick to their expertise. Yeah. I bet you that's one of the biggest problems you see in your industry. But is there something else that you see at all? Again, this is more for an entrepreneurial mindset. But what is some of the biggest mistakes you see entrepreneurs make in terms of uh, website or films? Or what do you see them making in general that you're like, ah, I would do this first or I would do that last? Or 
Well, you know, it's kind of a, there's a little thing about the Buffalo mentality that I realized after coming back from LA. It was, it was a little bit of a shock. Uh, and I had to get used to it again and start adjusting. The, the Buffalo mentality is a little weird. Where So sometimes you walk into a pitch and it still goes back to let me ask my secretary or you hear all the time it's like, oh, well, my, my nephew does that. He does web design. He took a, he's in the middle of a class in it in high school. You know, we, we, we're going to have him build the website. You know, it's like, it, yeah, it's great that you want to get him involved, but you have a $30 million company. I'm not sure a high school kid is going to be the right choice to, to build the face of your company on the Internet. And you get that a lot. And it, that's not something that you typically see in, in other parts of the country. Uh, L.A. was very results driven. You know, they look at portfolios. They look at what your results are. They look, look at what you could do and, and, and how you would outline it. Um, you know, I, I've had clients that I've walked into here that, uh, you know, that, that I said, hey, you know what, I, I can build you this for X amount of dollars and it will, it will, it will make you an extra $2 million next year. And they would tell me, no. It, not that I would actually, that, that I could guarantee any results like that. But if I said that and I said, all right, I'll tell you what, I'm so confident it's going to make you $2 million. I'll put $2 million in an escrow account. And if you didn't make $2 million, you can have $2 million in a year from now. And that same client would say, no, I, I'm still going to have my nephew do it who's in high school. And it kind of the mentality about that is it's not necessarily a bad thing because it is based on trust. You know, I, I've always said that Buffalo isn't a, a small town, it's a big room. Everybody kind of knows everybody and people tend to only deal with people that they know. Whether, and a lot of times that makes mistakes for their business, you know, that you're, you're taking the wrong person only because you know them. You should actually venture out of that a little bit and start looking a little further and find people that, that truly do have the skills. Look at their work, look at their portfolio, look at some of the things they've done. You know, talk to them, engage them, you know, find out what their ideas are moving forward and, you know, sleep on it a little bit. Don't always go to the, you know, the first person that you know. Yeah, that, that's such good advice. I, I totally, and I agree with everything you said because just interviewing business owners, not just for this podcast, but for my, my other business endeavors, but I noticed that a lot of them will have like this fresh out of college, you know, marketing, like, kind of like a, they kind of maybe see it as a fresh perspective. And, you know, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. But sometimes I sit there and I'm explaining marketing to them and, and I realize pretty quickly they're very raw. Mm -hmm. And and they're very raw and it's just basically you can learn out of a textbook, but sometimes I feel like man, I, maybe this is me being older now, I'm being 31 or, or you know, maybe four. But so I'm not saying that people need to have ex, you know experience, but you can only learn so much out of a textbook, is what I'm trying to oh, say. Oh, you're absolutely right. And so I just agree. I just agree with everything you said. Hey, really quick, if you love what you're hearing so far, please subscribe to this podcast. Leave a review and rate it. It takes 10 seconds, but it means so much to me. Let others know about it. If you know a Western New York entrepreneur who is killing it right now and should be interviewed, please introduce them to me. Again, I want to keep this thing going, so please leave a review and share it on your social media platform of your choice so others know about this. All right, so let's say when you were sleeping, Dave, I put you in a time machine. I put you back into 2012 when you're starting this you know, Alpine site design and films business all over again. You had to start over, whether you want to or not. What would you do differently knowing, knowing what you know now? I think I would have focused more on the, uh, the, the, the networking and the relationship side. Uh, you know, initially when I went out of it, it's, it's just like what you said with the, the, the textbook. You know, I kind of went from the, the, the marketing textbook and, and, and focus on the things I should do to put the name out there and to, and to start building the brand, which is great. And there's definitely a place for that. 
But one of the things that dragged behind a little bit was the actual interpersonal networking and joining organizations and, and getting involved in things and doing things, you know, pro bono for nonprofits and different things like that. Uh, I wish I would have did a little bit more of that in the beginning, because now I feel like I'm playing catch up. You know, it took me a couple of years to wrap my head around the Buffalo mentality and the, and, and the network aspect, uh, you know, to really embrace that side of it instead of just focusing on doing good work. So, you know, I definitely say, you know, start off, uh, I would have definitely started off earlier and... Maybe just network a little bit more. Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, network a little bit more and start building the relationships. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of great things that come from it. You know, you learn so much from other people in the industry as well, too. You know, I have fantastic relationships with other marketing companies. You know, it's a lot of times we do strategic stuff together. Uh, we'll send clients back and forth. And, you know, it, it's it, it, sometimes, you know, we can't do for a client what some other company can. And, you know, we're happy to do so. You know, I just sent one to another company the other day and uh, he sent one back to me, you know, and it's a much better suited for what we do. So it's, you know, it, I, I wish I, I would have built those relationships initially. Yeah, that's good. So that, that being said, what do you credit the success? Because you've, you've built the business you are now or the business that you have now, and it's, it's been so great. So what, what do you credit? Because I'm actually really curious. What do you credit your success of your business to? Or how did you build it? Persistence. Uh, it, was, it was absolutely staying with it 100% and not giving up and not looking back. Uh, it's something I touched on before is it's almost kind of a necessity. You know, about four years ago, I really truly started my family. And it's almost not a choice anymore. I still want to do it, of course, but you know, now I'm doing it for different reasons. I'm doing it for my family. It, 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 I'm, I'm driven even further. I'm willing to go those extra miles. I'm willing to put in those, those couple extra minutes that just might make that little bit of a difference uh, j just because that I want to make sure that my family is taken care of for the future. Mm, so yeah, so often our, our wise change throughout our entrepreneurship career. Absolutely. Yeah, so that, that's so cool. So not to put you on the spot, but what was your why before your family? Uh, it's, uh, it's actually kind of selfish uh, and uh, a little oh, bit arrogant and a little bit cocky. Yeah. I was sick of listening to other people. I, I, I thought I knew more than everybody else. And it, it's funny because in a lot of cases I did and, 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 and I knew that. But, you know, I, I got that mentality that, yeah, I know better. And, yeah, I, can do, I do, can do this on my own. And then I started doing it on my own and my head gets even bigger. And then you still do make mistakes along the lines. And then as I'm getting older, I'm realizing, you know what? Maybe I don't know it all, you know. Maybe I know some things really well, but I don't know everything, and I don't know more than than, than everybody else. So it's it's definitely kind of evolving and changing a little bit as I've as I've aged. Well, that's good. I, and by the way, I always love people being authentic. So I appreciate you just being real about that. That's good. Yeah, that's of course, good. I love it. So we never want these these podcasts to be canned. So I always tell people, hey, you know, just be unapologetically you. And <laughs> unapologetically you. So that being said. Um, what is the biggest struggle do you think you have as a business owner? It's a two-part fold. Um, one, it's it's finding talent. Uh, not saying that there there isn't good talent here, but the, the, the good talent is usually taken. There's a lot of competition in my industry, uh, and a lot of industries in this area, especially you know, as, as Buffalo's growing, businesses are growing, it, it's expanding. Uh, finding the right people is, uh, is extraordinarily difficult. And it's, you, you know, it's not just that they don't have the talent. You have a lot of people that did just come out of college and are a little bit raw. And then you have the, this also goes back to what I call the Buffalo mentality a little bit. Mm -hmm. You even have this on not just the business owner side, but you have it a little bit on, on the talent side of it too, is that they're almost afraid to think outside the box. You know, we've been doing things this way all the time, so let's just keep doing them. You know, I'm completely amazed by, you know, the, the commercials. I, I don't know who's doing it, but I think it's for West Her or something like that 
where you have a Bills player pointing to the sign. You know, they've been doing stuff like that for years and it's just boring. Why can't we spruce it up a little bit? You know, I, I encourage you to check out the Pizza Place commercial that, that we did with Vincent Pastor. Uh, it's completely outside the box. It's, it's, it's different. It's edgy. It's, it's cunning. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's something outside the normal. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd really like to see people step outside their comfort zone a little bit. Don't be afraid to take a chance. And, uh, you know, do something that's a little bit edgy. Don't be afraid to. And it, it, I think those are the biggest challenges is, is convincing, you know, finding the right talent that's going to take those chances and then finding the clients that are going to take those chances too. Mm. So speaking of chances, what is the biggest chance you ever took as biggest, an entrepreneur? Biggest chance I ever took was packing up the company and moving across country. I had, when, when I left California, I had about, I would say almost 20 clients. I was almost in the first year, it was just into the first year of, of Alpine being formed. And we had about 20 clients at the point. And I talked to a couple of them and I said, hey, you know, would you, just very candidly, would you still do business with me if I move the company out of state? Um, most of them told me yes. Uh, some of them told me that they wouldn't really feel comfortable uh, with the distance and not being able to be there in person. And I, you know, I said that was understandable. I ended up leaving California, uh, came, came to New York. I retained over half of those clients. And to this day, I still retain probably about 40% of them, uh, even though with, with the 2,600 mile difference or whatever it might be. Uh, so I'm really pleased about the way that it turned out, but I was afraid I was gonna cut my income off completely. Uh, I was afraid that, you know, what, that Buffalo wasn't everything that I thought it was going to be and that it wasn't really growing and I wouldn't be able to get new business in Buffalo. And, you know, it's never, it hasn't been a problem. So it's, uh, that, I think that was a huge risk. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not like it's just you anymore. You had, you have a family, right? So, yeah. um, I totally agree with you. So being a, you know, a website designer and being in films, there's a lot of competition. Oh yeah. So how do you stand above your competition in your field? Uh, you just got to do better work. Um, the, the last we checked, there's about 80 other companies that do web development in Buffalo, and you know you go through. And we always, you know, are, are monitoring our competition, making sure that we're staying ahead of them and innovating. And you know, it, it, right off the bat, probably 70 or 80 percent of them are just doing low quality, quick work that you know nothing's been gone over, and there's really no attention to detail. So I encourage my staff to, you know, one, keep that attention to detail and I, and I quality control check that all the time. Um, plus I have great people. Uh, everybody who works for me is just absolutely fantastic. But, you know, we always keep an eye on our competition and it's, it, this once again kind of goes back to what I said before about the Buffalo mentality. You know, they're kind of afraid to take chances or, or you know, innovate in certain areas. And, you know, you've got a lot of aging companies too, uh, aging web development companies that are just kind of like behind on the times. Uh, on the film side, you've got people who are afraid to take chances. You know, they are afraid to do anything other than a Bills player pointing to a sign or a drone shot. You know, drones have no personality. Uh, you know, you can't put personality and, and emotion into a drone. So, you know, we, we just kind of approach things a little bit differently. And, you know, we, we don't look, we look at what other people are doing just to, you know, see where we're at. Uh, but we never try to mimic. We always try to, uh, to, to, to start our own. So that's good, Dave. Thanks for sharing that. So how many uh, employees do you have as of right now like, all together? We have five employees. Five employees, cool. So how do you keep employees happy? You know, it's uh, it, the, the biggest thing that employees want is uh, kind of what I wanted from the beginning. And I built the company that way, and that was the flexibility. Uh, there's almost no schedule in my company. 
Um, the way that we do things is quite a bit different. We don't have a nine to five. Uh, we, you know, we don't run anybody off of salary, which is a, a little weird. What we do is we kind of base it off of, uh, when I ran car dealerships, they had something called the flat rate system. And the flat rate system was basically that the, the mechanics in the shop would get paid for the hours that they worked on the car. So if you build two hours worth of work on the car, and the customer would have got two hours worth of work billed to them, and they would have paid for that. So we work on a system like that, and we, we offer flexibility. We offer work from home. We offer uh, flexibility on the, the total hours that you give. You don't want to work 40 hours this week. You only you need a full day off and want to work 32. Hey, you know, it's it's your paycheck that's that's affected by that. So, you know, we give the flexibility of being able to do that. They want to work from 11 o'clock at night till 5 in the morning. Go right ahead. And it's funny, a lot of developers prefer that. Uh, developers are odd creatures. They're 100% night owls. They, they, they love it. They'll, they'll work when everybody else is asleep. But we offer that flexibility and make it work for other people. And especially most of my employees have families. Most of my employees have kids. You know, they, they, it's tough to work around certain schedules. It's tough with daycare. You know, if I can give them the flexibility of this, then, you know, they don't need daycare. And what I found, too, is that not only do they become happier, but also I get better work out of it. I, I just read an article from Inc. Magazine that the average American worker is only productive for two hours and 54 minutes out of an eight-hour day, which is pretty dreadful. But the way that our company bills, where we're only billing for hours actually worked on a project, and the, and the employees only getting paid for hours actually worked on a project, we almost get 100% efficiency out of our staff, and they're happy to do so because they're doing it when they want to. I have one developer, she's great, and she might work for two or three hours in the morning and then work again from nine at night to one in the morning. And so it fits her schedule and it fits her life, and she's more productive that way because she had that break in between, and it just happens to work for her. And I think whenever you give people that sort of flexibility that, uh, you know, it, it really helps. And unfortunately, it's, it's only specific for certain businesses. You know, if you work on an assembly line, you really, you know, can't work from home or, you know, come in whenever you want. But, you know, with our business and our industry, I don't see any reason why we can't offer this. Yeah, and that, you're right. So it's obviously it's got to be, you know, uh, congruent with your business plan. So that being said, so most of them um, work on their own time. So how do you know if they work from home, how do you know? They're actually putting in those three hours versus two and bill, you know, saying you did three. That's a great question. It's uh, uh, you really don't know. Um, but here's what I do know is I know trustworthy people when I meet them. And I, I'm not saying that, you know, yeah, maybe they round up a little bit. You know, I mean, I kind of expect that. And this goes back to the, the Inc. magazine study of three hours a day out of an eight hour day. So if I get four, I'm happy. If I get seven and a half, I'm thrilled. Um, so I kind of expect that a little bit, not that I encourage it. But, but those seven hours are, or those six hours are probably better than the eight that you would have got if they worked nine to five. Exactly, exactly. So that's kind of the way that I look at it. You know, it's, it's an operating expense. You know, I mean, it just, it just kind of has to happen. Uh, you know, I've done all the work before that my employees do, so I have a pretty good idea, you know, what it takes to, to do something. Uh, you know, a lot of websites might take 30, 40 hours, and if I have somebody, uh, an employee billing 90, 100 hours for a five-page website, I know something's out of whack. I know they're, you know, they're, they're billing more than they're doing. So it's not, it's not a huge concern, but uh, the biggest thing is just, you know, hire the right people uh, right away. You know, spend the time, uh, take the time to, to, to figure somebody out and, you know, know who they are and check their references and sit down and talk with them and be very candid with them and, you know, get an idea of who they are and what they stand for and see if their values fit with your company uh, and you and, you know, you, you got somebody good. That's so good. And 
that's something I've heard on a different podcast interview you do. So you're echoing that. So that's that's good because sometimes I have to hear things two, three, four times uh-huh. before I finally like hear it for the first. And I've made that decision, especially maybe maybe it's an entrepreneurial trait, maybe it's a guy trait. I don't know, but for me. Um, I want things done. I want them done like yesterday, not even like today, but yesterday. So for me, it's like, okay, this person has the credentials. I'll just hire them or I'll just hire them from to do this job. And it's just not smart to do so. Mm-hmm. You got to do your homework. Got to do that. So I just want to echo that. I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. I- I've hired some people who are on paper, some of the best in the world. We've had people on staff that have, uh, that have built some of the top 10 traffic websites in the entire country. Um, you know, and, and just on paper, they look great. Hiring based solely off of paper, you know, doesn't always work. You know, they, they did great work, but uh, the environment that they were used to working in was it didn't really fit uh, in the lines of what our company was. And so, you know, there's a lot, a lot of layers to it. It's not just what's on paper, but it's also, you know, uh, their values and how they work with you and, and, and how they do the, the type of work and how they interact with the clients and interface with them. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So, by the way, Dave, for the listeners that want to contact you, that would just love to feedback, you know, get some, you know, some ideas to run past you, or even just want to use your services, like what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Is it social media? Is it an email? Like, what's the best way that they can get a hold of you if they have any questions or anything like that? Yeah, it, it all are great. You know, uh, email, social media. I respond to all that uh, going directly to our website, uh, www.alpinesitedesign.com or uh, www.alpinefilms.co. Uh, we answer uh, everything and uh, we try to answer everything really quick and uh, we usually don't let uh, an incoming email last more than a few hours. Uh, We always like to get back to everybody as soon as possible. Yeah. Dave, I I know you're a busy guy, family man. You know, you got two dogs. By the way, he taught his dogs German. Well, I mean, mean, obviously (laughs) they don't speak German, but they they respond to to, uh, to them doing German calls or uh, you know, demands, if you will. So, uh, that's you want to add to that because that's pretty cool. Yeah, they're uh, well, they're German shepherds. I just thought it was kind of natural in that they uh, that they learn to speak German and at least respond to German dog commands. Plus, it sounds kind of cool and it's really harsh and kind of mean sounding. So, uh, you know, we live in uh, we we live in a, a nice neighborhood in North Buffalo, but uh, there've been a lot of burglaries and things in it over the past couple of years and some home invasions. So, uh, we got the second German shepherd, and he's a he's a big boy. He's about eighty pounds, two years old. Uh, maybe even a little bit bigger. I can't even pick him up to weigh him anymore. But uh, whenever you're yelling at him in German and he's barling and growling and snarling at somebody approaching the house that you don't know, it's kind of intimidating. <laughs> that's actually genius because it's not like they don't know what you're saying to them. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, so that's genius now that I think about it. But again, thank you so much for your time, Dave. And uh, I just appreciate you. Of course. Thank you. If you loved listening to the Western New York Entrepreneurs Podcast and want more, subscribe to it and head on over to wnyentrepreneur.com for articles, what's coming up next, and to get involved. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.